Welcome to another episode of Tech Writer Voices. I'm your host, Tom Johnson, and today I'm joined with two co-hosts, Charles Jeter and Heidi Hansen. Charles is located in San Diego, right? Or is it La Jolla? Actually, I'm in San Diego, uh, very close to La Jolla. We call it uh, East La Jolla. It's, uh, it's a section of uh, San Diego called Claremont. And so uh, people will, will kind of laugh. If they're from San Diego, they'll laugh when, they, when you say East La Jolla. Okay. And your blog is charlesjeter.com? Uh, a little bit uh, egotistical, but I, I think it works pretty well. No, that's great. I wish I could have that domain for my name. And I'm also joined with Heidi Hansen in Seattle. And her blog is at Heidi L. Hansen, with an E, at blogspot.com. And I'm excited to have uh, two, two co-hosts to have a more of a conversation here. I, I've, we've never done this type of format before, but uh, so it, it's an experiment, but it's a popular one, and I hope that, hope that it works. So, Heidi, we haven't yeah. done a podcast together for probably like six months eight months or something. Um, so <laughs> I haven't talked to you forever. And Charles, I, I, this is our first time, but I've read your blog and, and you do have a, a lot of enthusiasm and passion for technology, as you were mentioning earlier. Um, how have things generally been going, uh, Heidi, just in, in general? Um, it's been really busy with school, but I, I've been keeping up with your blog. And uh, how, how did you get your house? Uh, well, we're still in the process of, of all that stuff, the appraisal inspection, things like that, you know, so. And how are your WordPress seminars going? Um, you know, I, I gave a tutorial to this guy on WordPress just yesterday or last week, whatever, um, Memorial Day. And WordPress is one of those applications that seems easy to some people and other people just never quite seem to get it, so... It was it was interesting. It's I wrote a post about WordPress as being a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde type application. Uh, it's, the, it's the nice Doctor Jekyll to some people. It's the ugly Mister Hyde to others. But <laughs> yeah, I read that, and I also uh, I liked that. I liked the one comment too. The the one guy had about how your podcast and how he liked the interview style, and I actually I need to comment on that too and just reiterate that. I, I totally agree. I really liked the one where you get real-world examples of hot trends, like when you interviewed the person who actually used Dita in real life. I just thought that was the best thing. So it's not necessarily, you know, quote-unquote big names in the field that are always the best podcasts. I think it's a mixture, but especially the ones who are doing real-world interesting things, which is, you know, perfect to have Charles on here, too, because he's, you know, doing some interesting things, too. No, thanks. Actually, uh, you know what? I, I should announce. Uh, I guess I could probably make this a first. I, I just recently took a uh, software testing position with Articulate, which is a, uh, a company that has a lot of e-help uh, people, e-help alumni, I should say, just like uh, Madcap does. It's almost, it's almost a. I don't even know how to exactly explain it. They're the e-learning side of the house from uh, from the e-help and Macromedia, and I just uh, started that position, and I'm very proud and excited about it. They have an amazing amount of, of technology that uh, that's really blowing me away on the e-learning side. Of course, I, I still uh, I still test the uh, the help authoring tools uh, such as Madcap's uh, Flare. Charles, I'm curious. You're you're really doing a lot of e-learning. Um, what kinds of things do you do? Do you create video tutorials, courses, uh, quizzes? What, what kinds of things are you involved in? 
Well, I'm, I'm kind of looking at what the next big thing would be. Uh, I've been working a lot with uh, – actually started – I helped launch the, uh, the RoboDemo product. And I started in a support role and kind of owned that product along with uh, Silke Fleischer, who is the uh, product marketing manager for Adobe right now. And she, she started with RoboDemo, which became Captivate. And that's an amazing product that started from basically zero sales. And I think it's, it's somewhere around the neighborhood of uh, 25 to $35 million in sales uh, this, these years as it goes on. And uh, so with that background in technology, I started looking at how people are learning. And I just happened to have some background. My mother and my father were both uh, teachers. And uh, as a matter of fact, my mother is, is going back for her master's in education. So I've been kind of auditing her course, and, and I think I have a little bit more of a side towards the, the learning and training perspective than I do towards the actual technical writing. So I think uh, my, my new thing is I, I probably am going to be aligning more towards the Web 2.0 and how it interfaces with, uh, with the e-learning and the distance learning and, and blended learning, I guess you'd use uh, that term. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of e-learning in the context of Web 2.0, 2. but that's that's an interesting new cross-section. Actually, you mentioned Silka Flesher. I, I don't know how to say her first name. Is it Silka? I read a blog post by her announcing that she was going around the world for the next year and that she was basically signing off for... for <laughs> I, she is, as a matter of fact, and uh, Silka is an amazing adventure in herself, and I think I've known her about five years. Uh, she's wonderful. Her uh, her boyfriend Eric uh, works uh, with Divex, and so they're both, you know, very very good at what they do. And they've also uh, she started her own business uh, with uh, basically a green application of battery technology for bicycles. And I think I have a link on my webpage to that. Uh, and I've got to go ahead and remember exactly what it's called. I'll probably you know text it to you later. But, uh, yeah, she's, she's literally – there are some people who are jacks of all trades, some people who are specialists in what they do, sometimes programmers or technical writers. You can kind of shoehorn them, and that's what they do, period. Silka's really a, a renaissance person. And so – and the great thing, I was talking to Arlen Ash, who uh, also worked with Silka and I, and he's the uh, chief technology officer of, of uh, Articulate, just last week. And I said, you know, we happen to have a really good group of people at eHealth. It was – it was uh, it was an experience that I, I probably will will always value for the rest of my life, and and Silka is is just typical almost of the people we've seen there. And these are triathletes, and they are uh, programmers, and they're visionaries, and uh, you know it's it's amazing to look at what they've done uh, probably in the last three years or so since he helped was absorbed into uh, Macromedia and then Adobe. Well, that's that's cool that you're in that environment now. One of the goals that I want to do for this podcast is to talk about the latest trends because the feedback that I get from people is basically that what appeals to them about this podcast is is that they want to stay up to date in what's new, what's the latest, the best practices. And so I was looking for newsy types of stories, things that um, are, would fall into this, this category. And what I came across, and you posted about this, Charles, and Ann Gentle has also been heavily involved in it, and it's this Floss Manuals site. Um, do you want Floss now stands for uh, Free Libre Open Source Software, right? So this Floss Manuals are these. It, the tagline is Free Manuals for Free Software. But Charles, do you want to explain a little bit about what this site is and what's new about it? Well, I I think. 
I've been trying to wrap my hands around that as well. And and part of where I started was was to try to find out where they were really helping. And I, I kind of launched into it because of your blog uh, and actually one of your posts, actually several of the string you'd been doing about uh, becoming a technical writer and writing open source software, uh, writing the actual manuals, helping other software developers out. And I think that's an extremely collaborative, I guess, a Web 2.0 application of knowledge. You know, when you want to get into an industry, you break in by basically doing work as a... Um, I don't know how I'd really explain it. I, I guess probably as a. Uh, sorry about that. Okay. The cell phone it never stops ringing. Okay, I think it's probably my CTO. Oh. Okay, but but actually, no, I don't. I'm not gonna get it. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and call him back. But All right. <laughs> I actually was uh, tapping away at Skype uh, with him right before uh, right before you called. So uh, back to floss though the. Um, I'm sorry, I dropped my th- my train of thought. Let, let uh, me just for people yeah. who are totally uninitiated to Floss, because previous to today I had only heard the name because I follow Ann Gentle's blog and and yours and and I knew it was something I could check out, but it was still very vague. So just as far as I now, correct me if I'm wrong. What I understand Floss is it's a it's a wiki site that is the host for. Lots of open source software's manuals. So if you have a open source software, if you have open source software and you need a manual, you can use this wiki site to create the manual. And it's not just a typical wiki though. It's like this wiki where everybody can author a chapter or a chunk or a topic and then it is, um, you can mix and match those topics and rearrange them and then you can produce them in a PDF output. Uh, so it's it's new in that regard. I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, we see wikis, and you can author in wikis, and we see help authoring tools, and you can create tables of contents and mix and match there. But this kind of marries the two, and it integrates with with a PDF output. Is that about what the gist of it is? I think that's a really good analysis. And actually, um, the magic in this whole site that I see is that somebody actually took the time to try to to wrap their concept into the wiki. And I've been a little skeptical about wikis and, and where they fit. Uh, I haven't really seen how I could I could uh, introduce this to my clients and have them really go for it, jump on board, and and just run away with it. It's it it seems to be a challenge just in the I guess the administration of it. And so what Floss Manuals is doing is they're taking away that challenge and they've they've basically provided a structure or a framework where different authors can collaborate and quickly put together documentation. And as a matter of fact, Ann Gentle uh, had a site, uh, or actually a uh, post where she talked about the book sprint that went on last week. And uh, basically, flossmanuals.net was doing a book sprint with technical writers jumping in and supporting these other programmers. And I think that's amazing, an amazing collaborative community type of an event, which... I've never even thought about this happening before people really started getting onto blogs or getting into uh, the communities where they could grow their skills and then basically help. It's, it's, it's free work. It, it's, uh, it's like showing up and, and picking up trash on the beach. It helps everybody out, but you never really know how that happens, you know? <laughs> Heidi, what do you think of this Floss Manual site? Have you had a yeah, chance? Yeah, I, I had never heard of it until I went to writeariver.com, your site, and... 
when, and then I saw it, and of course I clicked on it, and I went to Charles' site, and then I went, and he has a link on his blog to, you know, like, here's your definition of it, or, you know, whatever. It got you into the About page, and so then I was reading that, and then the other cool thing I noticed is that you can get an actual printout. So if you're somebody who just, you know, has to have a hard copy, that it's actually they do this thing where they print it out and then it's a, a break-even thing. But then at, in the end, you have this hard copy if you're somebody who, you know, prefers that. So, yeah, I think it's really neat. I also saw an option where you could you could um, somehow integrate the text uh, as a live file on your own site and it could be updated remotely and there was some kind of API that was being developed. I'm not sure if I really got that, but it seemed like there was some some innovative stuff going on there. But Charles, you you had a good analogy there uh comparing it to people showing up to pick up trash on the beach and in my my estimation is that documentation is often like this. It's not something people do for free. You can't really have like an open source um, car repair, open source house cleaning type stuff. I mean, it's not something that pe- that really usually draws a lot of people. Do you think it's going to take off or is it just going to be stymied in the fact that people aren't going to want to do that? Well, I'm, I think it's a little too early to tell, but I think the, the social organization of it right now is, is probably giving it the best uh, foot forward. And uh, I haven't really had a chance to um, to really look at it how the whole wor- uh, the whole situation works from the inside. I I just did a review on floss, and then I of course I've been a little bit busy this week. I'm I'm moving, and so I can I can completely sympathize with your with your uh, house purchase uh, pipeline because I'm in the same situation. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, definitely. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I saw that tagline on your Skype name that you were packing and moving and things like that. You're moving to a new house. Exactly. I, I happen to pick up a condo. I'm, I'm really fortunate that uh, the prices have gone down uh, tremendously in, in San Diego, so I'm taking advantage of that while I can. And of course, I started the new testing position at the same time, thinking I can do all this. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and everything job. that could. New exactly. Yeah. New job, new house, and everything that could go wrong has gone <laughs> wrong. And uh, it's, it's amazing. From the storage unit not having uh, a person there to let me in on, on Monday when I show up with two trucks. To the <laughs> to the power being off in my in my condo and uh, with, through the the hacking exploits of, of, of friends of mine who are, are very skilled in the SDG&E realm, uh, we discovered that the power does work. However, it doesn't work to my circuit panel. So that's there's a lot of channel challenges that I'm looking at right there. Uh, but it's yeah, I guess that's part of uh, that's part of life right there. When you when you move, you know, it, it gets it gets exciting. <laughs> well, hopefully we can take your mind off that for at least the next. Half hour, twenty minutes here. <laughs> okay. Exactly. The, the other big thing that's uh, I've noticed lately, and, and this is kind of really recent, but it's not really a big thing at all. It was just a novel thing. But when Google released its new browser, which it calls Chrome, they had this white paper that was uh, formatted as a comic book, and it caught a lot of attention on a listserv, well, a moderate amount of attention, and. It was kind of a neat way of presenting these technical concepts, um, but it had a mixed response. Heidi, did you happen to see that comic book that for Google Chrome? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You, you said it was a little lengthy. You, you, you wrote in your blog post, you said, it's a little long. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know who's going to get through 38 pages of that, but um, do you think that 
it's a format that that actually is something that people should pursue more gamey comic book type explanations. <laughs> I don't know. Nope. What do you think, Charles? <laughs> I, I it's, think it's, it's. I think it's pretty neat when I'm looking at it right now. I mean, that's my first impression. Is that it? It is. It's nice to see something new. You know, a little next next at the bottom. It's kind of kind of fun. I love it, but then again, I'm a I'm a comic con kind of geeky guy. You know, I've been reading comic books and collecting them. I think I have a. Uh, I, I actually have. Um, uh, Seth MacFarlane, uh, number one Spider-Man from the 1990s, and it's probably worth quite a bit of money. So I, I like the format for that. I think there's there's some interesting directions they're taking with it. Uh, first, I've been doing some research on Adobe and where they were kind of heading with technical writing or what they meant with technical writing when they talk about it. And a lot of what they're looking at is graphics, uh, you know, using Flash, you know, Flash comic books types of, of instruction that has more visual, less words. And then I cross that with the research that, uh, of course, my mom, the master's uh, in education is going through, and she's finding some revolutionary studies that are talking about the print media being better than the graphics when you actually want to retain knowledge. And, and uh, so it's this... It's this mashup of, of information that I'm still sorting through. I love the uh, – I'm actually using the, uh, the interface myself. I, I have uh, Chrome up, and I've been using it for the last couple of days. Uh, there's a lot of interest in, in um, of course, uh, you know, Madcap, I think, and also um, Articulate. They're both interested in what Google's doing uh, with, this, with this browser, and, of course, they'll be supporting it for their documentation, both as help authoring tools and, and uh, I believe, also with uh, – with the other side, uh, with with Articulate's products, so it's it's uh, it's something I need to look into and, and be able to do testing on yet another platform. But it, I think it's amazing that the way that they're looking at this is it, it gets it down to every single person in a conceptual manner that you can understand, and that I think that's probably the smartest way they could bring a pro, uh, across this sophisticated. Um, this concept they're trying to go for. I, I looked at it at first. I heard, "Oh, great, another browser. What can you bring to browsers?" You know, I mean, they don't own the market share, and and I look at it as a business side. Where are they going to make their money from this? And so I didn't understand it until I read the comic book, and then I actually said, "You know, I think I'd actually like to try that a little bit more." You know, I I actually have a colleague who can can draw that kind of comic uh, book art as well, but I, I could never produce something like that. But um. What you're saying about the, the graphics and the images being appealing, I think that is, is something that technical writers can take away from that. Sure, we can't probably all draw comic book um, figures like that and release things like that, but the more we can integrate our boring content with appealing images, it really tends to liven things up. And, I mean, the the comic book usually, I mean... Two people were standing around talking at each other back and forth, and then they'd throw in a new person. They weren't really doing a whole lot, but it was still fun to see, and, and they had these little <laughs> little aside captions that kind of had humor. Um, so so that's just an interesting little development. It's almost more of a marketing piece, too. It's almost kind of like you know how you and I had talked about maybe six months or a year ago about how you know, sometimes you want something really fast, and maybe it's a just text, and it's and it's one way to consume your information. But another way might be more visual and maybe more appealing. So, say you have an hour or two, or 
just something to, you know, appease your senses with, well, the comic book is perfect for that, you know, or maybe, so it's, and it's not to say that this would be their only help, it's just a way to introduce it, it's almost like a quick start, getting started guide, it's like they're, they're one way to take on it, but perhaps they have a different getting started guide or different, complete other help as in, once you get into Chrome, you know, so it's just maybe one, one facet of a multifaceted way to communicate this information to people and they all work, you know, who's to say, go this route or go that route. Yeah, it definitely gets your attention. I mean, it's something you you definitely want to pick up and look at at least. I agree with you. I think that uh, the biggest question I asked was, why do I need to have another browser? With Firefox out there, with, uh, you know, Microsoft, I think uh, my website shows that it's still about 86 to 96% of the people out there use uh, use. Internet Explorer almost exclusively. And so why do I need to go after Google's new entry into this field? And so that comic book hit the high-level points, and then it got into some very detailed architecture type of uh, analysis that I wouldn't have understood if they just put it into a blog post. I mean, I, I would have understood it, but I'm, I'm thinking that I wouldn't have really bought it. I don't think I really would have liked it if I hadn't have actually visually seen it. So... Well, speaking of formats, all right, there was a there was a post by Mike Hughes uh, titled "Why I Hate PDFs," and I think this this brings up a larger issue of just having the PDF format in addition. And since we're talking about formats, I want to get your guys' um, opinion on PDFs and things like that. But let me summarize a bit of of Mike's post. The reasons he hates PDFs are he listed six or seven, but the ones that struck me are, he says, they carry so much book overhead, book front cover pages, book back cover pages, inside cover pages, chapter cover pages. It takes me three clicks to get to a topic that actually says something. Another reason is that there are too many of them and they're they're named after obscure roles, none of which describe me. I've never met a system administrator or never saw the job title anywhere I worked, yet there are, there are a bazillion guides out there written for that person. And... What else does he say? Uh, oh, well, those are the two main ones that I took away. So, in contrast to this this Google Chrome comic book that just jumped immediately into it, I mean, there are some some PDFs that really take a long time to get into the material. I remember reading uh, last a couple of years ago. I was I was exploring Authorit and I downloaded their Quick Start Guide or whatever they called it, and I was on page 87, and I still hadn't gotten to a single task that I could do. I was just like, wow, all this introductory material and, and this menu and th this tab. What are your thoughts on PDFs? Do you think this is a dying format, something that people don't really want, even though they require it? You know, I think um, Ginny Reddish, in her book, uh, Letting Go of the Words, she touches on this same topic, and uh, of course she's so thoughtful and so well read that when when she was talking about PDFs, you know, I like a dog, I perched up and I said, okay, let's pay attention to this, and and I can't remember exactly what she was saying, but mostly she was saying, okay, if you're going to give me a PDF, make sure that I know that I'm clicking on it first off, and then it goes back to your point too, if you know if 
if you need, you know, let me let me have a task before I get to page 86 and stuff like that. Where, like, my cues, I think, was making that same point, where if you're going to give me a PDF, at least, oh, it was Char James Tanning in her um, post. If you're going to give me a PDF, make it usable, which it goes along those same lines, too. Yeah, definitely. Charles, do you have any thoughts on PDFs? Is it still alive and well, or is it is it slowly dying? <laughs> well, I, I always quote people who say why I hate PDFs, and uh, I, and Char's post was was wonderful, and she really hit the reasons. Uh, actually, there's there's a couple of people who have actually looked into uh, how if you're going to use PDFs, how do you use them? I think it, it is a tool that needs to be around. It's a necessary evil. We do have different operating systems, and we have different text formatting. And, uh, you know, it's not something where you can just come in with everybody preloaded with Word and everything works copacetic. So so there is a need for PDFs. I think the larger they get, the more they start rolling into maybe a help authoring tool role or, or some type of other online format for easier searchability. And, and Adobe's done a lot to bring PDF around. They've, they've been working on collaboration. They've been working on different entry tools uh, on, on how you can get into that chain. They're a bit slow to kind of get into there, but, and they do want everybody to buy Acrobat, one, one form or another. Uh, but I don't think they're really – because our printer technology has gone so far and, and we, we really don't have the same kind of challenge as we did, you know, I think it was 20, 25 years ago when they started. I, I think it's going to be around because it is a standard – but I think it's commoditized. It's how can you get a PDF the cheapest? And and actually, I think I I don't remember. I might have read uh, one of your posts, Tom, about frustration with PDFs just recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a I had a bad two days with Acrobat, and I kind of took it out on them in a post. It, <laughs> I swear that there are more errors that you can encounter in Acrobat than almost any other product. It, if it works fine, you know, that's a that's a very good thing, right? But once it's, you get an error and you try to reinstall it and it gives you more errors, it can really be frustrating. But um, not not to go off on, on that side too much, but uh, I, you know, I, I have this this giveaway on my site right now. Uh, you can get a, win a free copy of Flare 4 when it comes out, and the only requirement to enter into this contest is that you have to leave a comment on my post and say what's an important feature for you in a help authoring tool. And the majority of the comments, there have been about 65 or so, have, have mentioned the ability to publish in multiple formats to essentially single source to, to be able to publish in online help and PDF and not have to reformat a lot of things. So I think there's still a, a lot of people who have as a requirement to publish PDFs and to deliver PDFs. I know that every time I think I can just get away without it, just give people the online help or or some other online format. Eventually, somebody asks if they can have a printable version of everything, and then I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> I and there are, there are lots of. I think another thing is that I tend to be online a lot, and so I think, oh, everything's online. Why should I even bother um, putting anything that you can print and take offline? But a lot of our users, they're not that tech savvy. They well, it depends who you're writing for course, but a lot of users aren't online as much as many techie tech writers or, or just general internet technologists, whatever. And so they do want to print stuff and read it at the beach or, or on the bus or something. And so it is still a valuable format that, um, that I guess is, isn't going to go away, even though with all the frustration with them. 
Okay. Yeah, I think that was what Reddish said too. I think she said there is still a place for this and and you know, here's how to do it right if you do it. So if just check out that if you're mandated to do PDF. Check out that book, Letting Go of the Words. That's a good idea. And actually, you know, uh, one of the reasons why there's a lot of those standards is is uh, it kind of gets to be the old school. If you have had PDFs for 10 cycles, you're going to have a PDF. Even if nobody reads it or nobody wants it, it, it tends to be something that kind of gets attached as baggage to your uh to your deliverables, and I'm not. I think Heidi's got probably a lot more experience in the technical writing uh, realm than I do. But what I've noticed when when uh, when I was working at eHelp and we were looking at the help authoring tools, you know, five years ago, where what do you need? Uh, we actually looked at being able to bring in PDF content and and use that content or reuse that content as well as being able to output it. And I think that's a valuable uh, method for you know, single sourcing your content, you want to be able to bring that content in from, from other sources because there is a lot of PDF documentation that is out there, but sometimes that's all it is, is PDF. And, and uh, in order to be able to strip that off and bring it in, any tool that you're using, and, and I think most of the major ones out there have, have this type of capability, but uh, you want to be able to actually bring that in. Once it, it, otherwise, it's siloed. It's searchable, but um, it's still a little bit ugly to try to find it. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that I think a lot of PDF is, is people still continuing to do it just because they've done it for 10 years in the past and rethinking that uh you know with your audience completely in mind is definitely valid. A lot of these articles that um I'm bringing up I, they've been posted on Writer River by me or other people. And I just want to just mention that site quickly. This is a like a social news type site. Originally, it was intended to be like Dig, where people could vote and things could rise to the top. But for various reasons, that really didn't work. And so we have this other version where it's more like a Twitter link blog. And um, uh, anytime you read something interesting, uh, you can easily put it there. There's a little post-it link that becomes a bookmark, and it's two clicks, literally, to, to add it there. And so a lot of this stuff that we're mentioning, you can find there. And one of the articles that really caught my attention because, um, well, I generally like the field of technical writing, and I, I usually am positive about it. And I saw this article that made me think another way because uh, the the author is Lane Kraust, MN. I don't know how to say that, but... Uh, titled Technical Writing, Look Before You Leap. And she posted this on, on the Tech Whirler blog. She says that basically a lot of people start out thinking that they're going to jump into technical writing because they love words and they love writing. And then they find out there's actually not a whole lot of writing that goes on. People end up spending more time in meetings uh giving input on projects, working with tools, layout, and things like that. A another thing she says, though, and this is what impacted me the mo or influenced me the most, she says that um, a lot of people think, well, you'll be a tech writer, and you'll go to work from 8 to 5, and you'll come home, and you'll have time to write your great American novel. And that's actually a myth for some people, um, partly because some people just get exhausted with writing or they get tired of looking at a computer all day but for a larger reason is that in order to, to, to move up the scale in technical writing to be able to be a top earner you have to be familiar with some of the major tools she says 
Um, top earners are really tech savvy and are familiar with programs like FrameMaker, PageMaker, CAD, Quark Express, Graphic Design, Illustration, Page Layout Capabilities, Proficiency in HTML, Java, or other programming or authoring languages. So if you want to be a high-earning technical writer, you have to devote a lot of time in the technical realm of learning all these programs as well as technologies, languages. And so it doesn't leave time for that great American novel. So what do you guys think? Do you think that technical writing is incompatible with a secret life as a creative writer? I think it comes down to priorities. If you, like, look at you, Tom. I mean, you have a vibrant writing life outside, and it's because you prioritize it to make it happen. So uh, it's probably individual, you know. Are you somebody who gets burnt out with a computer? I mean, that could, if you work in front of a computer, it could be a wide variety of jobs aside from technical communication. So, yeah, there might be something to that, though. I think it's interesting. Uh, there's there's a couple of things I've been researching, just trends in technical writing in general. Uh, because it is so diverse and there are so many tools, uh, I think that it starts getting to a point where we have to start looking at how much it costs to get that education. How much does it cost to get to the point where you're actually able to do the job and not only do the job but um, maybe move through another company or learn a new software uh, you know, what is the infrastructure that it takes to, to educate a technical writer? And I did a series uh, probably about six months ago or so, and, and it kind of stepped off from some of Tom's research last year regarding uh, technical writing in India. And the the research I was looking at was um, with all these skills that we are expected to have, or at least to be uh, competitive in the market, how easy is it to break apart those skills and just segment them off and, and keep it as a lowest common denominator for cost. And I, and I guess a lot of my, my analysis is built on business purpose. Um, the hardest part, I think, for being a technical writer in, in the Western society or even in, in North America is that we have a certain standard of living you have to maintain and, and the cost of college. And then let's just kind of build the stack from college. Uh, if you're going to be a top earner, you're going to have that college degree. You may have a master's or master's uh, equivalent. Uh, you're also going to have several different software disciplines that you know inside and out. And, of course, those revision cycles, every single year you're going to get new features and new uh, uses and new case studies and new innovation. And so the amount of learning that you have to do almost forces you into the blogging community. If you're going to keep up with these things, you're going to have to be actively participating and collaborating just like we are, all three of us in order to find out about all these other things. Writer River is a beautiful example of how people can kind of single source that information and get a narrow cast view of exactly what they may need in their industry. I mean, the, the hot new topics and discussed by, I wouldn't call us industry experts, but you know, we're, we're somewhat familiar with different disciplines. Yeah, it, it's interesting what you say about um, having being forced into the blogosphere just to keep up with this rapid pace of technology learning and growth and progression. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the intercom comes out once a month and some months only once every two months, ten times a year. And the techcom journal, I don't really know when that comes out. It comes out quarterly or is it? Is that monthly? Heidi, do you know? No, that's quarterly. Quarterly, okay. And, um, you know, even if you do read those really Closely, you're, there's still just, I mean, 
for example, Google Chrome came out, and you have to people probably have to experiment with that. I mean, I, I noticed that I had trouble with a, a video tutorial sound playing correctly on Chrome, and so I mean, you just have to be hyper aware of all these things that are coming out. And uh, I remember when I was back in Florida, I did I was trying to do something. I was a STC chapter president at the time, and I was trying to do something to bring together like the people who never came or the people who were far away. And so we had this chat. We had this online community chat, and I, I wanted to find out what they wanted to chat about. And the predominant theme was how to keep up. People felt like software was con- constantly changing, and, and they didn't know how to keep up with everything, and they wanted some kind of mechanism to do that. And that led us into discussions about software Saturdays or something like that where you have a seminar on Saturdays. And I know the Pittsburgh chapter has done that with a lot of success. But uh, just being able to keep pace with with this technology is definitely something that consumes a lot of time. I mean, I I write a lot of my blog, but it's, a lot of it's focused on tech com. I really don't, I don't have a secret um, literary life where I'm, reading Chaucer and writing poetry. So I kind of tend to agree with this article, with this author, that if you want, and I think it's true for almost any field, to be honest, but if you want to be one of the top earners and really move forward, you have to, you have to really, I'm not saying you have to dedicate all your time, but a good chunk of it. Um, if it's just going to be shift work that you get done at five and you don't think about it until the next day, that's going to be problematic. Actually, that's another reason people should get involved with your podcast, which you originally made it so that anyone who wants to contribute can, you know, as your co-host or as somebody who just records themselves. But if you contribute to Tom's podcast, you actually force yourself to at least keep up on the trends when you record or when you're preparing to record or any, or even just listening to his podcast, just being that much more engaged than the average person. And I, but I totally agree with you. It, it does take quite a bit of work, but it's the nature of being in high tech. It's, it just comes with the territory. Now, I think, I think you're right. Actually, you know, it, it reminds me of, uh, I guess, where I learned how to learn uh, was in the military, and I happened to be in it in a field that was extremely learning based. We, we constantly had to be training and learning and memorizing details and, and just obscure facts. We were literally the Google of the aircraft, so to speak. Uh, and we used to break apart all the, all the manuals, and we're talking about probably about 300, 400 pounds of manuals that we would have to pack and bring on to an aircraft carrier with us. And that was our study material. It was only in a printed format. And so we, we actually broke apart in chunks all this material, and we would basically go through all this, you know, think of three or four hundred pounds of material <laughs> that you have to go through every year, and and you have to be current on this, and you're and you're tested. And I think that technical writers, when I when I look at it as the writer river being uh, what we used to call the gouge, this is the hottest stuff, fast, and uh, this is what people are talking about. And then also the podcasts that uh, I mentioned, the the way you're condensing this information is to touch a little bit on it. But the beautiful thing about the Web 2.0 interface is that if we want more information about that, it's just a click away. Yeah. Wow. Um, 300 to 400 pounds of manuals. Wow, that must have been quite a <laughs> quite an experience lugging all that around. Yeah, it's kind of why I hate PDFs so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, yeah, we we actually they they uh, computerized it. I think probably about uh, ten years ago. But this was the old this was old school before before email. I was right in there right before email really got to be hot, and uh, they're still working on it. But but training isn't number one focus of the, of the military, or at least in the Navy, it is. All the technical training they have to go through, the e-learning stuff. It's it's uh, they they're really hard uh, hardworking people who are who are really looking at that and and trying to get the best tools possible and. And uh, so I, I look at what it used to be, and I think about it now, and go, I, I'm just shocked and amazed at, at how much they don't have. They have it all on a laptop, basically. It's it's carried in a digital drive. And moving, of course, I don't know how many books you have, Tom, but I've I've got probably about three or four hundred pounds of books myself. And I just realized that my entire apartment decor is bookcases. <laughs> so, you know, it's it bringing that down to size, uh, you know, in digital format, you know, then you start looking at rights, uh, you know, your your copyrights. And, and I kind of get a little bit past the, the point, but, uh, you know, you start looking at how you can carry this content and keep it and uh, and still reuse it. That's that's a huge thing. Well, I have a I have something I want to a comment I want to make about just this pace and keeping up. And all these books, because I think I'll, this intimidates new writers a lot. They they feel like, oh, I have to know all these tools, and uh, it's never going to end. And actually, one of the reasons that I decided to, uh, for people who haven't been listening regularly to the podcast, for the last three months, really haven't done any podcasts at all. And I, I was taking a break, but I was also a little burned out. But I decided that I need to do the podcast again because I missed it, but also one of the main reasons that I told myself, well, I don't, I shouldn't be podcasting anymore is because a person only has so much time and if you spread yourself too thin, you won't do anything well. And I thought, well, I'm a better writer than a podcaster, so I'm going to focus on writing and excel at that rather than wasting my time in another, another medium. And there's a certain fallacy about that. I've found that just having this podcast fills me with a lot more information that better informs my writing and leads into all kinds of new learning about things to write about and makes me a better writer in the same way that writing makes me a better podcaster because I write about things that then become good topics for podcasts. The same thing works with tools. The more tools you know, it's not like every new tool is completely foreign. When you learn a trick in one tool, oftentimes the same kind of principle or shortcut or or technique works in another tool. For example, if you know Photoshop, Illustrator isn't that much different. I mean, there's a bunch of layers and the the toolbars look similar. But um so so this tool learning works in the same way. The more tools you learn, the easier they get to learn or the more technologies you know, the easier uh, languages or whatever, the the easier they are. You recognize patterns and say, "Oh yeah, this is just like X" and so forth. So uh, there's hope for people who feel inundated that that it, it does. It's not like it's always just this giant mountain to climb. Hey, have you ever heard of a website called Howcast.com? I, I haven't. What exactly? Oh, I think it, I, you sent me a link. How to? It's yeah. Well, I just mentioned it in the email tonight, but it's how it's how to videos that are posted on Howcast.com. And I think it's kind of meant to be a little bit higher quality video so people who are trying to become film buffs or, you know, they can do these how-to videos of high quality to kind of teach themselves. But then they also say, okay, well, if you don't want a video, 
why don't you just whip up a whip a, a wiki guide so use text instead of a video like for recipes if that would be a little bit more suitable but i just i just thought it was interesting to to see this uh, you know like you always kind of think of oh i'm going to i'm going to learn my software by just typing in google and then i'll get a return and or i'll just go to youtube and i'll learn about you know some some how to thing i'll find a how to video there but you know now there's a website dedicated to that which is kind of interesting yeah, there's, there's good- even one how to make money with your blog tom <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that out yeah I've, I've seen some videos on that site they're really good i mean they're 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 really uh engaging they're funny too some of them so well charles and and heidi do you have any last thoughts we we've talked for about 45 minutes and that's a good length for a podcast is uh is there anything else you guys wanted to leave listeners with charles i'm sure you're busy moving and everything's in boxes but you didn't box up your laptop yet so (laughs) (laughs) um well i'm thinking of some words of wisdom i'm excited uh, just to be talking to you too i'm very honored uh to be part of the podcast uh you know heidi i think has an excellent uh, background in I think actually you, you picked a, a great diverse group. Uh, Heidi's got a great background. Uh, I've been reading her blog in technical writing, and uh, I'm kind of focused on e-learning. Uh, I'm thinking there's a way to do. There is a way to do it all. Um, the faster you can get that information, uh, the the more sources you can have. The more you start finding yourself thinking about these things in line. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of my uh, reading of Tom's blog. I happen to read it on my PDA when I'm standing in line. It, that's my my time killer when I'm when I'm standing waiting for somebody else to do something I'm I'm pulling out my PDA and I've got a hot button straight to uh, straight to writer river actually I have it to I, I'd rather be writing <laughs> hey that's that's cool yeah you yeah. know I I am um, I read a lot on my my BlackBerry uh, this happens to be a happens to be a work device so that's nice because it's free but uh, I will yeah. lay in bed at night reading feeds because it's really comfortable to just lay there until I drift off to sleep but yeah anytime. That uh, you have a spare moment. That's you, if you've got a mobile device with content, it's a great opportunity. All yeah, right. I, have, I read Google Reader on my uh, little phone too. Um, yeah, my parting thought is just that. Uh, let's see, the Puget Sound chapter is going to have a uh, a meeting September 16th. It looks kind of good. And energize your career. Love your work. Change your world. <laughs> So it's actually yeah, pretty uh, looks pretty interesting. This guy blogs and has a podcast, so he might be worth checking out. Kurt Rosengren. Kurt Rosen, huh? I haven't heard of yeah. him, but that, that would be yeah, something to check, check out. Yeah, you have to check out uh, yeah stc-psc.org, their Puget Sound chapter website, and then it looks like they're going to have a non-competition. So September 15th to October 15th, they're going to run. Looks like peer reviews, so instead of feeling as though you're competing um, mm-hmm. with your manual, now you just it looks like you show up and you um, or just submit, pay a, sm- a small smaller fee and just get a real good peer review by two or three. Wow, that's um, cool. Like judges, and actually, uh, Tom, that actually would fit well with your new Utah group, where if you guys wanted to meet in person, ah. you could do peer reviews because you're just like, you're like, oh, where's my Utah technical communication <laughs> community? Where are all the peeps? You know, so <laughs> this would be an activity, yeah, an activity for you guys to um, to do, can do a non-competition. <laughs> oh, actually, that's perfect because uh, we now only have meetings every other month during the school year, and I'm like, wow, we gotta, we gotta do something, but. 
it really it, the community of people who, who go to those meetings is is low. So yeah, maybe that'll be a booster. So all right, guys. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the podcast tonight, and and I'll put links to the blogs and some of the things we mentioned on here, and and uh, appreciate again all your your thoughts and, and your contributions. And when pleasure. are you gonna you're gonna interview you're gonna do an interview with uh, Madcap? Yeah, tomorrow? yeah. Uh, that just kind of happened this way. Um, yeah, tomorrow I'm interviewing Sharon Burton on Flare Four. There's been an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement on on Flare Four for the last where however many months, and so now the the gates are open. People can talk about it, and so uh, I'm just gonna have her. Tell tell us what's going on. Tell me what. Well, Sharon's Sharon's a great person. I, I had the uh, opportunity to meet her last year when I went for my visit, and uh, she's hilarious. She's knowledgeable. This lady knows so much about writing and about managing content that uh, I wish I could just uh, sit there <laughs> for about. I mean, she teaches classes on this. I mean, I mean, she's like a professor. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and talk about multiple disciplines. This lady's got it going on. And she's hilarious. If you if you get her going, I mean, she's got a great sense of humor, and uh, you know she she fits in well with the she can hold her own with the Madcap crew, and those guys are everything you could think of from pirates, not not software pirates, but you know they're they're basically anything you could think of from ping pong to pirates. These guys, uh, you know, they're a very diverse group of people, and she just was able to just get right in there and, and jump in with the best of them. So you're gonna enjoy yourself. Yeah, she's definitely an asset there to to their group. So. Good luck with your house, too, Ben. Oh, yeah. And you, too, Charles. good luck. (laughs) Thank you. Good luck on yours as well. (laughs) All right. See you, guys. Bye. Bye.